Welcome back, guys, to another episode of The Winner Circle brought to you by Grande Sports Training, a podcast where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players. Today's special guest is Jeff Adai, player for VPS in the First Division of Finland. Jeff, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing good, Miguel. It's been long, man, but great to, great to see you, brother. It's been a while. It's been a while. We, I first met Jeff at a combine maybe five years ago. Five, um, yeah, it's five years ago now. Immediately we clicked right off the bat. Great yeah. guy, great guy on the field, great guy off the field, but I'm so happy that you're here joining us in the podcast today, man. No, no, I appreciate you having me, man. And it's crazy that you bring back that combine. I remember playing in the midfield with you. We had a killer combination and I remember we were beating every team, but that's crazy that think about we go way back to that those days. It's it's crazy how, you know, just going through these combines and, and just these tryouts, you meet different people, you know? Yeah, and, no, 100%. Uh, and, and, you know, we all have different paths, but it, this is kind of what I want to discuss with you today. You know, you ended up, you're, you're now playing first division in Finland. How's mm-hmm. that experience so far? How are you liking it? Honestly, it's, it's been an amazing experience. Probably, probably one of my best. They're all different, but it's definitely unique. And it's, um, it's, I feel it's a, it's a good step up and it's a good challenge. So that's why I'm loving it. And I'm just doing, you know, what, what we love every day, which is playing football. So, so it's, it's been great. I'm, I feel blessed to be doing what I'm doing for sure. Awesome, man. So I just want to get into it. Just, you know, talk about your whole story, how you got to where you are today what okay. what decisions you made what choices you made and you know all the adversities you had to go through to get to the point you are today so jeff when did you start kicking the soccer ball man when did you start falling in love with the game right so for for me i started playing when i was four years old so um i have i have a dad who played who played football growing up and originally my family from ghana so my dad was playing there he was playing in the youth national teams in ghana uh, was playing in England and then he actually not willingly had to move to Canada so um, me and my brother grew up at first playing a lot of our football in, in Canada so I always looked up to my brother and my dad so I started kicking around playing in the Canada actually at the beginning when I was four years old in just recreational house league type football and then just played there growing up and then um, got into competitive quite early actually I think that had to do a lot with having an older brother, uh, Godwin, getting to play against him. So I had that competition always. And my dad used to train both of us always together since we're really, really small, doing technical drills, big focus on turning. He would always make us do turning, bicycle kicks, whatever it is, because he was a striker. But And at the time, actually, I was a striker too. So a lot of finishing stuff. So I remember just always being in my backyard, training with my, my brother and my dad. And then once I got into the competitive game, that's when I guess it got a lot more serious. And then from there, just, it could just continue the passion and, and the growth, you know? And, and how much older was your brother than you? My, my brother is three years older, older than me. So we never really would be on the same team, except uh, when I think we played um, actually in elementary school, I think I was grade three and he was grade six. And the, the team was grade four, five, and six. But because my brother was a grade six, he was able to push the teacher to let me play. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad always talks about this even till now that I was a small little grade, grade three playing with the older grades. And I remember he remembers me going to that tournament being surprised. I, they put me on the wing because at that time I wasn't, I didn't have the size, but I remember just playing with my brother. So those are some like crazy experience actually just thinking about it now that I haven't even thought about it in so long. 
And as mm-hmm. a younger brother, naturally, you always want to like beat your older brother, right? You always wanted to, you always wanted to be better than him. But for some reason, you know, as a kid thinking for some reason, I can't beat him. Not yet. That, not yet. And, right. And that, that's what it was. And I had a lot of respect for my brother when I was younger. I wasn't, I've always been, I guess, competitive with him, but I think he was with me at a young age. So it, it's always good to have someone who has that same, same type of desire and passion that you have so that you have someone to challenge yourself, just like someone who could train with you. It doesn't need to be a brother or anything, but a, a close person. But I guess I was lucky to have that. And it's definitely helped me to, to be where I'm at for sure would, today. Would you say that, uh, you know, as a kid, you kind of saw your brother as a role model, as like a, a figure that you wanted to follow his footsteps in? Yeah, 100%, because he, he was playing football before me and was always on the highest team. So I kind of felt pressure in a way, but also wanted to be also at that that high caliber player because I knew that would be the only way I'd be able to make it uh, to do what I'm doing now, which is I always wanted to just play football full time and be a professional. And my dad would tell us at a young age what it took. I, I don't I don't know when it hit us, what exactly he meant by it, but I think by just the constant work and and the training, I think that's what able to help us, I guess get to where we wanted to go and what things did your dad tell you at, at a young age that kind of like put that mentality in gear that you can yeah so I, yeah yeah so good question I think my dad was a lot with mentality so he really wanted us to work without him so um from I think from a young age we he always wanted us to have that desire to to want to be the best the desire to even just want to play the desire to want to get better ourselves so that was a huge thing that I think was ingrained, especially in me at a young age, that I think when you, when you get so used to that, you, now it's easier. Uh, I, don't, I don't ever, you know, I don't need an alarm clock to wake me up to a train in the morning and stuff. This is things that I've been doing for so long, and I, and I appreciate him for getting that spirit and that, and that mindset in me from such a young age, actually. And I know as a kid... Because I can remember as well, you just wanted to go play. You know, at what sure. age, at what age when you started playing competitively, did you feel like, you know, this is what I want to do? This is kind of what I, I, I enjoy doing. Like, and at what age did you realize that, oh, I can make a career out of this? Yeah. So I think I've always knew I wanted to do it. always wanted to play. But if I had to say an age where I was like, where I understood more about life in general and like, hey, like, this is what a, a career I want to do. And I want to see how far I could do. I, I'd say I'd have to be 13 because when I was 13, I actually joined a new club in, in, in Ottawa and it was one of the, the biggest clubs in, in the city. And, and then I was captain that year. And then that's when I think that helped get, because when little things like that happen at a young age, you get more confidence. I think that's where my confidence shot up. I, I had a growth spurt. So I was kind of at the top of my game then since from, from my youth. And I think that's when I really thought like, Hey, this is, this is something I'm going to pursue and I'm going to not going to stop until I, I kind of get, get it. You know what I mean? And so getting the captaincy is, you know, it's obviously a big deal at, at that age. Did you feel that you had that responsibility? Did you feel that you earned it or you're just like, Oh, this is, this is cool. How did you take it getting, getting uh, rewarded the captaincy for your team? No, no. I think for me, for sure at that age is a big deal because one, you have the trust of, of your coach. And I think at that time the team had to vote. So when you have the trust of your teammates to, to be a leader, I think that's that's super important. So that that stuck with me, honestly, even though it was so, so long ago. 
even to my career now and being with my teammates now, like I always push to try to be a leader on the team um, in order to, to help myself, but also those around you. So I think, I think that was, that was a huge thing that, that happened to me at that age. Did you feel like you had any pressure to, to be a, you know, a good leader constantly at that age at 13? Yeah, I think for sure it had to do more with uh, performing for me. That's how I would take it. I think naturally I'm fine with talking to players and motivating my team, but I I always wanted to be someone who performed well. And that's why people respected me as well. So um, in terms of like talking, things like that, speeches, I think I've I've been fine with talking and voicing my opinion. But I think the big thing, that pressure that I would really feel is my, my performances so that people would really respect my game. And how did you develop that, that like talent of speaking to other players? Do you say it was, you know, naturally embedded in you? Do you say that you learned it from somebody else? What do you think it was? Yeah, it, it must have been a combination of things. Like when, when you say it like that, I think it's, yeah, like it makes me think, you know, I think for sure my, my dad, my brother always needed to voice my opinion from a young age. I think also I grew up in a neighborhood where, everyone would be outside and and you have to you have to talk just to make teams you have to be a leader so that you get picked and stuff and I was always in one of the younger boys so I always had to talk and try to fight my case and and then also when we would play I was always one who would was really get angry a lot to win at that younger age I had like anger management I, I don't know man like I was really I was really um really feisty type of type of kid so yeah. I think um from from just being young and being in those environments all the time, I think I developed certain skill sets that that I still use today, actually. Okay. Yeah, because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, you know, players nowadays that they're young, they're great with the ball at their feet, they speak volumes when they have the ball yeah. at their feet, but they're, like, the shyest person off the field. Like, they they can't even raise their hand and say one little thing, yeah. you know what I mean? They're so, like, for, for those players, what, what would you... What would you tell them to get kind of what you have at that young age? Yeah, I think it's so important, especially for those type of players, because you see them in, throughout your career that as early as they can, they have to get out of their shell. They have to and they have to do things purposely to get them out of their shell, whether it's like, hey, at this practice, I'm going to make sure I'm talking the whole time. So you start getting used to it. I think once you set targets like that, little things that they could be, or maybe you're doing a training session with some friends and you say, hey, this, t- this session, I'm going to be the loudest. I'm always going to be first in line in every drill. Things like that to, to really get yourself to stand out and to, to be more, more comfortable with yourself when you're on the pitch. I think that's really important for, for young players to start doing and start understanding why they're doing it and what they're doing. And I love that you just mentioned that setting little targets for yourself. Did you set right. targets for yourself at a young age? I know you were good with speaking on the field, speaking to your teammates, and now your your target was to perform well within the game. Did you ever, um, in your mind, tell yourself, "Okay, I need to complete twenty passes this game, or I need to take on X amount of players"? Did you set any small targets for yourself at a young yeah, age? Yeah, for hundred percent. I think when I was younger, it was always about goals. But as I, I as I got older, I dropped back more in my position to like attacking mid than defensive midfield or or box to box midfield, and it, it got to be a passing percentage a lot. It, it was more like I don't want to get any passes intercepted, 
or I need to get an assist this game. Or in me, I love tackling. I'd, I'd be like, oh, I need it. I need I need a big tackle. Maybe not be five tackles, maybe like a big tackle, that one game changing, something game changing. So I would always have targets like that. I still do, still have targets like that. And even when the game's going on, targets will will come through my head of like what I need to do now. It's this minute. I haven't done anything. Come on, I need to, I need to get this. So I think that's a constant like I have in in games, but also in training sessions, to be honest. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think as the game goes, you know, every game is different. You change up your targets, you change up your, your, your goals. You know what I mean? For sure. So Jeff, moving on after, you know, that first year that you got your captaincy at 13 years old, how long were you at that, that club for approximately? I was at the club until the rest of my time being a youth player until actually I got a scholarship. And first I got the scholarship actually to play with my brother at the Spring Garber. So it was a school in, in school in Michigan. Okay. So after that, I went there and I actually played two years in Michigan. Was and it a, a college? Year. College university? Uh, it was a NAIA school. NAIA school, okay. Yeah, so I played two years, but the first year I actually tore my ACL. So that was the first injury, major injury I had in my life. So I actually sat out that year and the team lost in the conference finals. And, and it, was, it was a tragedy for me. I, I didn't know how to handle it at first because it was my first time going through something like that. But um, I was able to recover fully. And then in my second year there, we were able to win the conference championship. And I actually scored the game winning penalty shot in like double nice. overtime because in America there they had overtime. So it was, a, it was a huge relief. And like from being from a player who had to watch the finals last year in my crutches to the next year winning the game was something I'll never forget, you know, in my life. And let me ask you, when you did get injured and you were on crutches, what was going through your mind? Your first thought going through your mind was what? That I needed to train again. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And, and for sure. And it was back to those things that you're mentioning about those small targets. I think my full time recovering and in, in, in the rehab and training is those small targets every single time. Um, now I could do single leg squats or whatever it had to be more reps or anything. I'm the type of person who always sets little small targets until I could hit it. And then I, I try to do better. I love that. I love that, man. And then you come yeah. back second year, score the game winner. It's like nothing yeah. ever happened, right? It's like, it, yeah, exactly. Hard work. It's just in your rear view mirror and you're just enjoying life right now. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. So after those two years, what happened? After those two years, I had the opportunity to go to Albania to play with the first division team called KF Tirana. So um, my uh, one of the assistant coaches from the schools actually was an Albanian and his dad was on the national team and he had he was an agent and he had big connections there so I actually left for the first time I was 19 at the time so at this point I was basically dropping out of school uh, that was the plan so I went to Albania for their preseason and I was training there for oh, three to three to six months training there playing with there and it was actually summer so I was gonna so I went back to Michigan to play in the summer and the plan was to go back to Albania to sign and play the full season with them. But actually, so this is two, year, two years after my first surgery, I was playing with the Michigan Bucks. I think we were playing Chicago Fire. They're one of their, their second teams and I actually tore my ACL, the opposite one. So the, uh, the other leg. The other leg. <sighs> so this is, this is the second ACL surgery. And at this time, um, then everything was done with Albania and then the situation was thankfully I had universities who were still looking at me uh, knowing that I wasn't planning on going back to school 
and I was in talks with uh, Michigan, Oakland, South Carolina. So I, I thought at this point, I thought I was going to be done playing football. I didn't know if anyone would take me. Thankfully, South Carolina kept my scholarship. Uh, Oakland did too and a few other schools, but I decided to go to South Carolina. So then from there, um, I, I went back to university, um, decided it was best and I needed to finish school at this point because of, because of my injuries, especially. So I went to South Carolina for the, 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 that third year, basically for my schooling and I didn't play because I was injured the whole year. And then I was able to play my fourth year and graduate from South Carolina. We went to the conference finals, but lost. So it wasn't that happy ending that I got um, before, but it was still a huge accomplishment. And I always, that was a big target for me when I was younger to play D1. So, so it was also cool to be in the school and a great, great atmosphere. And it was a great experience at the end of the day going there. So I'll never regret basically anything that happened. And just going back to when you did get that opportunity to go to Albania, Mm -hmm. I love I love the fact that you just jumped at it. You didn't even think yeah. that, right? Why do no, you know yeah. that is? I I feel like there's a lot of players now, uh, you know, in general that might put you know doubts in their heads, and they're like, oh, if I go, I can't do this or sure. whatever the case is. You just jumped at it, right? What yeah. what went through your mind when they're like, oh, I have an opportunity to play first division in, in Albania? What do you do? You want to sure. go, Jeff? For, yeah, no, seriously. It, and it was like that. It happened so fast that I didn't have so much time to think about it. Thankfully, my mom and family were actually in Michigan at the time, too, when it happened. Uh, they were visiting us, I guess, and we found it all out together. And I think that's a big thing. I, I have parents who really support uh, my dream and my brother's dream growing up when we we're playing. And they never really would say no to anything. Like if we have the opportunity and we had the means to be able to happen or I was going to get a flight there. They would say, go. And they, they would even push me. So it's like, no one needed to push. Everyone kind of knew what we wanted. Everyone knew what I wanted. So it wasn't really doubts about if I'll go or not. It's as soon as I heard the opportunity for sure, I'm going, it's about um, making sure I'm ready and I, I could take the opportunity. And those were the things that were coming to my mind, maybe on the flight over there for the first time flying, Uh, to a country in Eastern Europe, don't speak the language. It, it was frightening. It was frightening. Also being black in, in Albania was a thing too. Like you don't see many, many black people just walk in the street there. And that was a huge experience that I had to deal with there as well. But those things and those doubts kind of hit my head, but maybe on the flight. After the flight, when I'm there, it was more about uh, performing. And, and once you're playing all the time, you kind of forget the outside world and all those things. Maybe after practice, that's when it comes back. But I think I would just crowd my mind with watching YouTube videos, stuff like you do now, those training videos. That's what I was doing. They don't have stuff like Grande Sports back then. That it wasn't like that. So I'd be watching random stuff at, at that age and, and just watching pro players and just stuffing myself with the game to, to just stay focused on that. And I think that's what's been able to help me cope and get through everything. And I love that you touched on that because I have had this conversation with numerous players already. And it seems like everybody always has like this base foundation of the same mentality when it comes to like their in, their own environment. Right. Right. And everybody has their own path. Of course, you know, you have your parents that support your dreams. Some other players maybe don't have their parents that support their dream, but they somehow created their environment to where everybody and everything around them is supporting their dream. Does that make sense? So true. 
No, no, 100% sure. And I think to touch on that point, I think I only kept people around me who supported my dream to make. And I think that's a huge point, actually, that that kind of subconsciously I might have not known I was doing. But everyone even now who I speak to has to do with with football and, and pursuing dreams. And there are people like that as well. Exactly. No, I think it's super important. Once you have this dream of, you know, it could mm-hmm. be literally anything, but this podcast is about professional soccer players, professional yeah. footballers. When you have that dream of becoming a pro, it's like you got to right. build a nice little fort, a nice little wall around it and protect it. Protect right. it with everything you got because literally, like you said, life is short. You know, you have to, you, you want to be able to play and achieve your dreams and and it's achievable. There's people out there playing, kicking a ball mm-hmm. for a living. And it's tough. Right. It's tough. All the experiences you had to go through, it's tough. Right. You know what I mean? So when, then, you, when you went back to South Carolina mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, your second ACL injury happened, now what was going through your mind? That's, that's another hardship that you had to, to face. This, and and how, how did you deal with that? So this one was different because I went through it. So I knew, one, that I could get back and stronger. So I think that that gave me a lot of confidence in it. I also knew that they were willing to give me the time to recover to play the next season. So I think um, having these things to look forward to, knowing that I've done it before, I can get back and I'm going to have the opportunity to play and, and showcase myself again, gave me the ability to just take it in stride and say, okay, I'm, I'm back in this recovery mode. This is going to be my new game now. I'm focused on how good I could get at recovering and, and training and honestly, uh, the things you learn when you go through a surgery like that, training little muscles again, really focused on micro movements, different type of movements. I think it helped my overall body and, and structure become a lot better. And so I was enjoying it. And then I, I would watch so much, so much uh, film at this point, not even of myself, I'll type in like um, um, Sergio Busquets verse. And then just a bunch of games of him would come up and I'll just watch all his touches. I would watch Paul Scholes a lot. Uh, Paul Scholes verse because he's my favorite player and and just players who I thought were similar to Paul Pogba all these type of players I'll just watch football and and I thought I think that gave me a a lot better understanding of of the game and it definitely helped me especially now being in Europe things like that to understand um, structure and and system play and movement so so at the end of the day I think it was it, it definitely I felt it at the time that it was improving me so I think that's what made me kind of accept what was happening obviously the pain and stuff going through it, it it hurts at times but I think when you have these things in your mind knowing what you want to do it it makes it all worth it and you just touched on a very amazingly important point again and I cannot stress this enough I feel like I say this every day I'm like a broken radio but (laughs) you got to train every day and there's going to be situations where you can't go on the field like uh, what happened to you right or whatever the case is but there's other ways to train by watching film, by under, by learning to understand the game better, by learning the movements, by learning the zonal play, by learning when to move and how to move, right? And sure. subconsciously, as a young player, sometimes we watch these players, and we're just we're just absorbing everything coming at us, and yeah. we don't know why they're doing it, <laughs> right? Sure. But I know once you see a player move over when the ball's on the left side of the field, you're like, okay, why did he move over? You ask yourself some things, right? right. You watch, these, you watch these, uh, these games, these matches, and you're asking yourself why the player in your position is doing what they're doing. For sure. And ultimately, that helps you with, with your own game, right? 100%. When you came back, 
after the second injury, uh, Jeff, yeah. you got back on the field, you got playing, training and playing your first match again. How did you feel coming back? Oh, it was, it was, it was crazy. Um, honestly, I think the second time, now that you kind of, sometimes people say it's easier. It was easier and harder in different ways because I knew when I had to be careful I knew what could, you know, I, I aggravate it a bit more. So it was just about like trying to really get comfortable again. I, w- I didn't wear a brace when I came back. I, I thought like, I liked my doctor's mindset of it too. Like you're good, you're ready. Don't, don't be scared. So I think maybe after the first tackle where, when I really just got in and saw, Hey, I, I could still do it. Uh, all the worry honestly went out and it was just back to normal. So Love it. Love it. yeah, I think you just have to try to, mentally understand that you're okay and and be ready if i need to get injured again then then fine then i'll just go through it again but uh just take that doubt and worry out is basically what i did love it love it after south carolina um you had the opportunity to go pro how did you find it how did you work for it what did you do to make so it happen. This, had to, this had to do with you now because <laughs> what happened was i went to the, the combines and me and you were playing at a combine and we were doing really well in the midfield. And um, that's where it's crazy how, how life works. Crazy. Like remember how we were saying about uh, surrounding yourself around people. I think me and you connected so well because you, once, once I got there, I remember you had to meet people and stuff and you were playing as an eight. I was playing as a six or we we're playing like uh, side by side. And like, we would talk a lot after, after the games and stuff. And I think that's why we're still friends till today. And um it's actually at that combine. I met an agent named Gus Castillo, and Gus actually helped connect me to my local, my local city professional team, Ottawa Fury. And he contacted the coach there at the time, Mark Dos Santos, who was now coaching at uh, Vancouver Whitecaps. So he connected me to him. Uh, they got me in training with the team, and then that's where I first started that professional career. So I was playing in my city, and everything was really good. So Ottawa was the first club. That I started with, and then those really great players on there, and the national team player uh, Julian de Guzman, he was the captain at the time. He he was also playing as a six, so I was learning off of him. And then he's the one who connected me actually to my next agent, who was Victor, who connected me to start playing in Germany. So that's how I kind of entered uh, entered into the European game. But it was such a crazy process that started off with where we were playing, not necessarily because of the combine, but the combine had definitely things to do with it, but just. Um, the networking there and and a random person who I guess believed in me and and could help me I love that I love that because I I know sometimes you know combines are could be a waste of time waste of this or whatever but if you look at it from a different perspective you meet people it's all about networking and it's all about it's all about networking and connections and yeah. you, you said the word connect like three times in the last 30 seconds, probably. right? You probably, connected probably. here, connected here, connected here. So now it led you to where you are today. You know what I mean? 100%. How would you say the jump was in terms of level and professionalism when you did step into Ottawa Fury and, and start practice? How was that? How was the difference for you? How did okay, you take so it? It was, definitely, it was definitely a major difference. And and um, 100% on the field, but 100%, especially off the field. Um, the guys were now men. Um, uh, they, they, they had families. They took everything way more seriously. I remember we would play rondos. I was telling someone today, my teammate, that we would play rondo 
before the training session. And as a younger player, you're scared because the guys would get so pissed if they had to go in or if you maybe messed up with them or, or if, even if you're in long, they're going to tease you. So when you, when you get to training, like you're, you have to be so serious right away. And I think it was good to play around so many guys who were on that team who were really professional that, that year they went to the finals. So the team was really strong and had a lot of uh, experience and veteran professionals from, from all around the world. So, um, it was, it was definitely, definitely a, a change. Um, the structure was, was way more intense. The coaching was, was, was subpar. He was, he was really, really good. And, and I think that is what helped me, uh, being in that environment early on helped me continue this career. Cause I saw how the people who had longer careers, like I said, Julian Guzman was there, a uh, player, Richie Ryan, he, he's still playing now. I saw how they would take care of their bodies, how they, were so dedicated to the game and I think I I I really was attracted to that so it, it was it was huge experience so it was, it was difficult but it was definitely something that really helped me early on would you say that now talking about your leadership role your mm -hmm. first year coming in as a pro um there's probably moments where you felt that you had to step back and just observe and learn and then there's moments where you just had to step up just because you were forced into it were, were there moments like that for you? 100%. And, and it's so hard uh, being young and jumping in and knowing what moments where you where you could voice your opinion and when moments you just have to listen to the older, more experienced players. And um, I try to be respectful as much as I can, but also you don't want to be too respectful where you're not, you're not competing anymore. You know what I mean? You don't want to be too much of a nice guy. Um, off the field, of course, be nice, but on the field, you have to be able to change that kind of behavior. And and I saw that they were doing it. They'll be so nice to me off the field, but on the field, they're swearing at me and hitting me. And then they think they could be nice to me after. So when I noticed that, like, hey, this this is a normal thing that in, in university and before you don't really get to this extent, um, I started adapting and understanding like, hey, this is the only way I'm going to be able to keep this. Because now I, I was like, I didn't think I made it. I still thought like, hey, I want to do this for longer. Even today, I don't think I made it. Like, I still have that mentality that I want to still be higher, play higher, be better. So I think um, that that was that was huge. That that competitive nature that was yeah, for sure, a daily thing, right? Hundred percent, man. Exactly <laughs> like how you say and how you always do. That was that was it. So after your first experience in that first year at Ottawa, where did you go to next? I went to Germany through the connection actually from Ottawa, Julian, who was playing in the Bundesliga and stuff. So I was playing at a club called Mannheim in Germany. And, and that was a major experience. I was there for a year and a half, almost two years. And it, it, was, it was back to being in Europe, back to speaking a different language. I can speak German now because of being there, uh, living on my own again. And, and I think that really shaped me also off the field more, more, than, more than anything. Um, just being in that in that country, uh, everything was really good. I, I love the football there. I, I learned so much from not just my coaches, but especially the teammates, the people you're playing against. And I think the culture of, of Germany, the way that the culture of football is there, I think that just improves you itself. You, you have to watch it all the time. And so. I, I think the culture, being in a different culture, it impacts you a lot, both on and off the field, you know, as a person sure. and as a player. It it kind of opens up your mind to things that you have not been used to in your lifetime, you know, and what your environment was. And you see like, oh man, people live like this. People live differently than what I would used to live. 
right? Yeah. So it kind of it kind of makes it uh, it forces you to adapt to it right off the bat. You know what I right. mean? Right. Which yeah, is no. pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. No. Hundred hundred percent exactly what you're saying because like when I was there, it was like it was crazy how many things changed for me and how how it was like you you had to adapt and you had to embrace the culture also. So such a such a crazy experience. And how was the difference in in the game in Germany and Ottawa for your first few years as a pro? Yeah, so I think because Ottawa was so structured already and had a lot of players who were internationally, it, it was it was better for my transition into into Germany and how they played there. But but it still was a lot different. I thought the players were all technically really sound. Um, everything was really sharp. I, I used to love training there. Um, the ability of the players, but also a major thing was the intensity. The intensity was 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 unreal. Like. People were really serious every game, every every training session, and you would just see the best players are the most intense ones. Even if it was just a technical type player, they were intense in everything they did. Their dribbling was intense. Their 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 runs were intense. Everything was at a higher standard, but just with that um, increased um, intensity. So I think that was the biggest thing about being being in Germany. And one thing that I always preach is the word consistency, right? I know when you go into a training session and a pro club, right. they expect you to perform day in, day out. And 100%. You, you, know, it, you have to be intense. You have to be sharp. You have to be precise. You have to be up here every single time. And that's, that's the hard part. You know, that, that was the hard part for sure. Kicking you know, a, kicking a ball, passing the ball, moving, running that that's the easy part. <laughs> But doing it every single day and on top of that, having pressure from coaches, players, life 100%. outside of football, all these little things getting thrown at you. How do you deal with it? You know what I mean? And, and, and I'll lie to you if I told you right now that, hey, I dealt with it so fine. I was, I was so good all the time. It, it was really difficult. I, it was hard to be consistent every single session. And, and I could still even tell you today that that's still a, still an obstacle that I still deal with as, as a pro. How, how am I consistent? How could I play like I played three weeks ago every time? And honestly, I, I came to the realization that it's just an everyday type thing. I, I can't worry about the game that's happening in a week. I have to try to be present all the time in order to be consistent because you can't be consistent if you're not present. So I think that's something that I kind of learned over, over in Germany because there was a lot of pressure to play um, financially also you, you make more money when you're playing. Um, so there's so many things that went into it, but because of like what you're saying, all the outer, outer problems that you're dealing with, with being in a different country, not knowing the language, there's so many excuses why I wasn't consistent. And I think, um, at first I was going to those excuses saying, making excuses to my agent, to people and that, but then I think I hit, I hit a point where I was like, Hey, I have, I, I can't make any more excuses. I just have to have to prove myself so that's when I started being more present with with everything that was happening and I think that's when I started doing better and performing more to the ability that I knew I could and what the fans and the coaches and people expected of me and I think it's so important that you that you said that just being present yeah. in the moment because a lot of times we get caught up in a bad game or even a good game like you become our champion and you're still celebrating two weeks later right yeah and, for sure and, and it's the same thing in the game i always tell my players that if you make a mistake 
recognize it, find a solution, and let it go. But it has to happen like this, right? In a game, yeah. you, you barely have five seconds to think, probably 100%. even less. So it's the same thing when it comes to matches with training sessions. You're not going to have the best match of your life or the best training uh, of your life, right? You have to, you know, recognize it. Oh, it was great. Great. It was bad. Great. Move on. Next. Yeah. Right? No, I, to I totally agree with that. And, that, and that, that's amazing. That's good. You're telling your players early on. I wish I, wish I had that at that extent. But that's, that's the biggest thing. And I think um, if you could preach that lesson and that is still now, like you telling me that was still hitting me. I was like, man, yeah, when I go training tomorrow, I need to be present again because <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to always be on, on point and on demand. Exactly. And um, that's, that's what we, I work on. I have literally a mental coach who works on that with me being on demand and under control, regardless of any situation. And he says that to me every day. So that's uh, like basically a mantra I have in me now in that's order awesome. to try to be at the, the best I can be the best level that Jeff would die is, you know what I mean? So for sure. That's awesome, man. After yeah. Germany, you, you come back to the States. Right? So after, man, sometimes I forget, but after, <laughs> so after, after Germany, I actually got injured, um, hurt my foot, had another injury. So I went back to Canada to rehab. I was thinking, talking to German clubs, figuring out kind of in this off season period where I didn't know what I was going to do. And that's the worst. Every, every off season, even if you have a contract, you never know what's going to happen. So I remember being injured and not knowing what's going to happen. I was actually in Portugal after Germany for a little training with a, with a team there, Primero de Zembro, that a Canadian just bought the club. So I was training there and then I went to Canada. And then when I was training there, the assistant coach got a job in Tulsa to be assistant at Tulsa uh, in the USL. So I remember being in Canada, literally, I, promise you man the next day I was flying to Portugal and I was about to buy buy a ticket that day I was like okay so um nothing's happening perfect I'm gonna be going back to back to Germany at, or I was either going to Germany or Portugal I was literally deciding where I was gonna buy the ticket to and I was like okay just doing negotiations and then this coach messaged me saying hey um this club really needs a six you 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 would you could start right away um what do you think will you come I just got the job and I remember being like, wow, I was, I, I love Europe and stuff, but this is, this seems good. Um, the coach I really liked. So I decided, Hey, maybe I could just go here since they need me right away and then see how it is. And then I'll, I'll go to Europe after that was the plan to go there just for a week, see what it's, what it's about. And then fly from there. I remember going there, doing well. They liked me, um, ended up signing that season, um, the, the season was about to end. I think those three games left. I didn't get to play an official league match, but we, and I ended up playing a game against Colorado Rapids. Uh, so it was good. And it was Tim Howard's like last game. So it says something cool in Memphis. So I remember playing that. And then the next year being, being on the team and being now a assistant captain on the team. So this was the 2018 or 2019 season. Nice. Nice. And that, yeah. that, that whole experience, how, how, how'd you guys do that season? How did you do that personally that season? So then this was the next year. It started off great for us. Um, we, I remember being first in the league the first month, and then we had issues with players leaving and injuries, and then it honestly went downhill for us, for our team. Uh, we started losing games. So it, it was such it was an experience that I've never had when you, you go from such a high to, to a low. But I think the people were so good there um, mentally and, and honestly the teammates, the coaching staff, that it was, it was hard to, to, to disappoint people, you felt like. And I got an injury at the end of the season as well that, that didn't make things any better because I was out for the, maybe the last month. 
But um, altogether, I'd still say it was a great experience. Obviously, for me, I'm always bitter. I need to any place where where I'm not coming first, finishing in the top three, something like that. I, I'm not happy. Uh, I, I can't lie to you. I'm still not happy. But but in terms of the experience and the life, it, it was great. But obviously, I wish I was winning more games and won something. So two things, uh, two things from that season, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Number one is you, the team went from here and came down. How did you deal with that uh, personally? How did you tell yourself, like, okay, as an assistant captain or, or a captain maybe at times, yeah. how, do I, how do I keep the morale high? How do, you know, how do I keep Jeff in tune as much as possible? And then number two, yeah. how did, is another injury again. What did you say to yourself during that time? Uh, honestly, um, false for number one, it was just about uh, my behavior and my habits. Regardless whether we would win or lose, even when we're winning, my habits to work hard never changed. And, and then my respect for my coaches or my teammates never changed as well. You, you, during those times, people start to get down on people, things like that. I think our team did really well. We, we understood, okay, things weren't falling for us. There was a lot of games where we should have won, where it just didn't happen, or we, we, we lost when we, we tied, or we, we, instead of winning, we tied. So it was just a bunch of things like that that happened in football. So I think it was just about more of the example and more of the trying to be consistent, maybe not in play, like we say, but also in the mindset. You have to have a consistent mentality where you're not getting way too high or way too down, like you were saying earlier. So I think that was what, what I did during that time. And then with the injury for question number two, it was, it, w- it was hard because I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be part of success. I wanted to, to turn things around for the team and also for myself because I always I, I, I totally care about the team but also for myself I always want have personal targets that I want to hit that I, I, I needed to hit and the injury wasn't helping me so that that hurt me but what I had to do was obviously train and recover as best as I could so that I could be available when I got healthy whether it was there or like what ended up happening going somewhere else and it all just boils down to the mindset right it all boys, as long as your mindset, like, like you said, like, as long as the mindset is right, I think, and you have, and you have ability and you're willing to continue to try to improve, I think you'll always be able to put yourself in a good situation. And now, Jeff, you're in Finland playing in the first division. How, how's that experience going for you so far? You know, a, new, a different culture, new team, new teammates, new coaching staff. Right. new way of life how how is that all uh, it, it, it's, it's such an amazing amazing experience we play an amazing stadium the fans are so good uh, team is really good so honestly it's it's been it's been great we're, we're, we're in top four right now obviously this, this the club I'm at has ambition to to be first place all the time so we we've been dealing with a lot of pressure from 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 everyone but in terms of everything else it's it's been good to be here um, I'm happy, um, but things with the coronavirus really set things back for for not me personally, but everyone. I, I had to come here late because I was in Canada, so I missed I, a lot of the time when the team was training and playing. So it was hard to get back into the starting lineup that I had when I was in the winter. So it was hard as the team was rolling, winning games. Sometimes you don't change things, or coaches start to get more comfortable with certain players. So I had to go through that again. You know, you, you think you're not going to go through anything, but with with everything going on, that's what happened. And so it, the season's been personally up and down for me personally. I, when, when I played, I think I've shown really well, but sometimes things didn't, just didn't fall in my favor. 
And then actually now it's like, I, I remember I was playing last game and now we just got our whole team's in um, quarantine now for two weeks. So we can't go outside because a player tested positive and in the city we're in, it's actually the cases are going extremely high. So I don't think any footballer has ever been in this type of position that we all are facing now this year. Yeah. So obviously these are new ways to deal with it, like mentally and, and also physically, because you can't go outside and train. You have to make, make do in your house and all these things. So I think this year has probably been 2020 for a lot of people, <laughs> but for me, for sure has been one of the most challenging years, but also been one of the most years for, for personal growth at the same time because of all the transition, all the change, I think that's a perfect uh, position to put yourself in where growth can happen. So in that aspect, it's been good, but it's also, you know, we're still going through it, bro. So Still working through it, man. Well, yeah. I wish you the best of luck in Finland. Uh, I appreciate it. And I hope you guys do win the league. You know, yeah. I send it all my good vibes out to you, my man. Man, you bring it. I'm, t- <laughs> I'm just taking it in. <laughs> All right, my man, Jeff. So just to wrap things up, I'm going to ask you three questions. And okay. I just want you to give, you know, the best answer you can. All right. For sure. No problem. All right, Jeff. Question number one. What is your definition of being a winner? Um, uh, for me, being a winner. Okay. So for me, being a winner would have to be going into, going into the competition, believing in yourself and, and getting the result. So... Uh, that's how I'd have to define being a winner is just first off being ready for the occasion, whatever it is, and then doing whatever you have to do to get the result. And I think those type of people are constantly winners, whether it's on the pitch or off the field. Perfect. Question number two, what three things would you give as advice to players looking to jump into the professional game? Okay. I think one would be, um, know who you are and believe in yourself because when you're going in the professional game at the end of the day, yes, you're joining a team, but it's, it's about you. So you really have to be comfortable with who you are and what you, what your abilities are because football is a game of opinion. So people are going to say you suck and some people are saying to say you're amazing. So you have to be able to understand who you are as a player and who you are as a person and be really comfortable with it. So I think that's number one for me. Two would be like what we were touching upon earlier in the podcast about surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, I think in order for you to be able to make it higher or be able to make it as a pro, you need people in your corner who are, who are there to support you. Like, like exactly like what you're saying. So I think that's number two for, for me, for sure. The, the support system you have around you. And then number three, at the top of my head, I have to number number three would be to have some sort of belief, whether it's a belief in God, whether it's some sort of faith. Um, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. So I think that's huge for me and being able to have that. And honestly, it should be number one. So I, I'll probably take that back to number one, but having that belief um, to and faith so that everything you do is for a greater purpose. And I think once that's the case, that many more things could happen in your life and in not just on the pitch, but off the field as well. Love the answer, my man. Yeah, and then last question, question number three. If you could, what advice would you give a 13-year-old Jeff Adai? 13-year-old Jeff Adai, man, uh, that kid was crazy. But <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would honestly just tell him to um, continue to stay focused on, on the goals. Um, I would say 
continue to believe in yourself. And just kind of like the advice that I would just say in the last three things is just to, to have the right support around, around, around myself. And then also to, to pursue everything I, I believed in and, and to have faith in, in everything I do. So that's, that's the same things I'd be telling myself at 13 for sure. Awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much for your time. Guys, thank you for listening in. Remember, this is the Winner Circle brought to you by Grande Sports Training. You can listen now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Until the next time, thank you very much. Yeah.